Hey, good morning, everybody. Red Hills Church. I love it. It is so good to be with you this morning. Um, can I move this forward just a little bit? Is that okay? Am I, is there a sweet spot I'm supposed to be in? Okay, I can get it a little bit closer. Okay, great. Because if there's a way to mess something up technology-wise or be out of camp, it will be me. I will find a way to do it. And uh, with great class, let me tell you. Oh, well, again, my name is David, um, and it's a privilege to be with you. I do, I get to, I live, I just, I live about 40 minutes away. I live up in Beaverton, and um, uh, I get to serve as part of our Northwest District team, which we are, if you didn't know, you know, Northwest District of Foursquare is um, Alaska, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, and North Dakota. So, yeah, yeah, right? So, that's it such a small area. Um, and my primary role is I oversee church transitions in the district and pastoral and uh, church health. Um, and so we always laugh uh, when they introduce me and tell me what I do. I, I realize when I call people, they're like, is he calling about a transition or a health thing? Um, and so I always joke with people. I'm like, please return my call. I'm really not a bad guy at all in any way, shape, or form. But I have to tell you, um, I know we're going to jump into the word here in just a minute. Uh, I'm going to be in Joshua chapter 3 and Joshua chapter 4 today because you can never have enough Joshua. Um, but one of, the, one of the things I have loved in this last season is just getting to know your church. I love your pastors. Oh gosh, your, your pastors that have been here. I've known Pastor Aaron for many years. And um, as he has taken up, <laughs> over the last couple of years as he's taken up elk hunting, um, I've, I've had many a conversation with him about hunting elk in Eastern Oregon, just throwing out there because that's where we pastored for years. But um, love them. I'm excited for their next season. But I have had such a great time in this transition of getting to know your, your leadership team here, your staff here. They're amazing. Worship was phenomenal this morning. Wasn't that good? I love when we get a chance to worship together as family. I love going to different churches. There was such a sweet spirit this morning of just being able to be in God's presence, such an invitation. So, ah, oh, it's awesome. And your church council, yeah, they're okay. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, have, <laughs> I have had so much fun uh, getting to know your church council members and um, just getting to spend time with them. When we do a transition, a lot of times that's what I do is I come in, we meet with the church council. Because the church council is representative of the church body. We pray together and we go through a discerning process. We call it, it's a communally discerned process. We are seeking God for the called person of God to lead the church into, into its next season. And um, now I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm really excited to be here this morning and tell you about this because normally I was asked, Aaron, Pastor Aaron asked me to speak on this Sunday, a lot, you know, when, when we started this transition, he put me in here. And a lot of times I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to be coming, we're going to be talking and we are are going to talk about change and transition in this message and stuff. But a lot of times I'm talking about like, hey, we don't know the time frame. We don't know how long it's going to be. Uh, sometimes transitions take a long time. I actually get to be here this morning to tell you we've discerned who the next pastor of this church is going to be. So uh, the next pastor of Red Hills Church is Pastor Lane and Jaina Greenleaf Perez. And they are an amazing couple. We've spent time with them, met with them with the council, uh, had the council pray about that. It came back as a unanimous sense that, yeah, they are the called people of God to lead this church into this next season. And um, uh, Pastor Lane he currently serves as the young adults pastor. 
and he oversees all of the young adults and youth ministry at uh, Beaverton Foursquare Church. So it's not very far away. Um, amazing couple. In fact, we have a little video of them that we're going to show you right now so you can actually see who these people are. Hi everyone, my name is Lane Greenleaf Perez. Hi, I'm Gina. And we're married. And this is our son, William. How old are you, William? I'm five years old and I like dinosaurs. And you like dinosaurs, that's right. And this is our dog, Watson. Uh, baby Brooklyn, due August 13th, so we're really excited about that. There's a lot that we could say, but uh, honestly, we're just really excited to come alongside what God has already been doing and is going to continue to be doing in Red Hills Church in the city of Newburgh. So, uh, we're excited, and we'll see you soon. Bye. You want to say bye, William? Bye. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you guys. Let me tell you, it's really interesting because when we do these transitions, a lot of times I get to know leaders from all over, and I get to know them. I know this couple because I've spent uh, a few years working with them and have watched them grow and develop, and I love their family, and I am so excited after spending time with the council and with your team uh, here and praying about uh, just discerning what Jesus wants to bring. I'm excited about them stepping into this role. So we'll be talking a little bit more in the next weeks or so about when they're actually going to be coming here, uh, and we'll have an official installation Sunday where we pray over them as the new pastors here at the church, but they're excited. I had to, I saw that video and I had to send Pastor Lane a text and say, I like dinosaurs too, so make sure you tell your son that too, which is great. Um, I went, we went out to dinner. Their, their, their kiddos are just awesome, and of course, they're having a, a new new baby coming in, in August. I said, that's a solid church growth plan right there, so there you go. Uh, so this is really exciting. I have yet to actually show up at a church to speak during a transition where we've already, God has already been like, here's the called person of God. And so that's pretty exciting. But um, I'm thrilled. We've been praying for you. We'll continue to pray with you. And uh, just an honor to be part of this process. Hey, so I want to talk to you guys about, um, I want to talk to you about, the title of what I'm going to talk about today is a view from here. I want to talk about the view from this incredibly interesting place of transition. Now, here's one of the things that I've learned in the life of being with your leaders. You have a lot of leaders here that have been here for a while that have seen different pastoral transitions. And it depends on how long you've been part of a church. Sometimes you've seen a pastoral transition. Sometimes you haven't. Sometimes you're coming from a non-four-square church and have experienced a transition that looks very differently than what we do. And so, but how many of you in the room would actually say, I love change? <laughs> yeah, there's like two of you. Um, and most of the time, the people that raise their hands actually mean, I love change as long as God is changing their stuff. <laughs> Like, I am a big fan of change. Jesus, thank you, change them, right? And so change by its very nature is change. It's disruptive, and it can be a beautiful thing, and yet change is not always easy, and yet how many of you know that God meets us in the middle of change because he wants to do something within each and every one of us? Because what I've learned, and I'm saying I'm learning, I am not going to say I've learned it, but I am learning the fact that in transitions in churches, God does this incredibly just beautiful, strange, weird, amazing thing that when pastors reach out and say, hey, we've discerned that our season is done. We know that our season at a church is coming to an end. That's not just about them. It can't be, right? I mean, God does a lot more work than that. So they know their season's done, and so this is what always happens, right, is we end up saying, okay, Lord, well, they're done, and who do you have for the next season? And there's a discerning process with the new pastors coming in, but then there's each and every one of us that get to do this. Well, Lord, we're in a season of change. What do you want to do in me? 
Because it's got to be about us too, right? We're the church. It's not just about the leaders of a church. It's about every one of us being part of the church and, and change is an opportunity for growth within all of our lives. So I want to talk to you today about is this, the view from this position. I want to read in Joshua chapter 3 is where I'm going to be at today. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's not a very long chapter, and I'm not saying that ahead of time, like I'm apologizing. I think that it's great when we go to church and someone said, you know, I was in church, and they read the Bible, which I know has always been here, right? Um, but I want to just start in, in Joshua chapter 3, read this chapter. We'll talk a little bit about it. I'm reading out of the NIV today. This is what it says. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you're to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark and don't go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. Whew. <laughs> See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord and the Lord of all the earth set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp across the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that's the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely completed the crossing on dry ground. I love this story. If you go back and read it, and I just want to encourage you, do that. Go back if you want to read more about the history, but you go back a chapter, and you're going to see that this is Joshua leading the Israelites to cross into the, cross the Jordan to the Promised Land. This is the time that they're coming, that they're actually going to cross in to the Promised Land. He sends out the two spies, and, and they survey the land, and there's Jericho, and there's all of this history that's coming on that leads us to this place, this culminating point when they're going to actually cross this river. And what I love about this is this beautiful picture in this whole chapter of following and the importance of following and the simplicity of following. How many, do we know that life following Jesus, right, is as simple and as complicated as following? Right? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I can pretty much point out every issue I've ever had in following is when I'm not following. But when I'm leading, when I'm trying to lead, it's like, there is not a good place to be in life to be like, hey, Jesus, I'm going this direction. Come on. That is not a healthy place to be. 
But following is a beautiful thing, and it's a beautiful picture here. After all these years in the desert, after, after all this time of following God, after all of these things, the first thing that God tells them is, okay, you're about ready to cross into this new land, and here's this big thing. Follow me. Keep following me. I'm going to lead. You keep going where I'm going. He even tells them in verse 4, and I love, the, I love this verse because he says, you don't know the way here, by the way. This is kind of a new direction. You haven't been here before. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to lead you in a place that you may never have been before. And this is new. You don't need to plot your course. You don't need to figure it out. You just need to follow, right? Follow where I'm going to lead. For the last 40 years, you can look back. They've been following, right? Follow where the Lord leads for 40 different years, in, in a land that they were probably fairly familiar with. You know, they'd probably been to some places that were like, oh, we camped here before. And now they're being led into this new, this new season, this new direction. And I'm telling you right now, as we look at transitions, right? We look at pastors that have served faithfully and have moved on. And then we look at new pastors that are going to lead. And we look at the life of a church and, and the season in front of us. And here's the thing that's beautiful about it is the God that has led this church is the God that's continuing to lead this church. And his call for each and every one of us is to do what? Follow. It is a very simple idea. Like I said, and very difficult. So before I stepped into the role of an associate district supervisor in the Northwest District, I was an associate district supervisor in what was the North Pacific District. Forest Girl has gone through some changes. So I've been in this role for about four years now, but before that, my wife, Sunshine, and that is her name, and she's amazing, and if you meet my wife, I will be Sunshine's husband from that point on. <laughs> and I'm good. She's amazing. She's a phenomenal leader. Um, incredible woman. And we pastored out in La Grande, Oregon for 17 years. Do you guys know where La Grande is? Does anybody? I ask that question because there's actually people who know where it is. For those of you who don't know where La Grande, Oregon is, it's in the far northeast corner of the state. Now, you are on the west side of Oregon, but if you refer to Bend as eastern Oregon, you are geographically challenged. <laughs> There's actually a great deal of state between Bend and Idaho. There's no people, but there's a lot of state <laughs> out there. There's like, there's room. And so we actually, I actually grew up out there. Okay, let's see if you're a little bit more specific. I grew up in a little town of Imbler, Oregon. Does anybody know where Imbler is? Okay, you guys know that? Did you stop at the store? Were you there for the world famous pepperoni? That's probably what it is. Or the free ice on your way to Wallawa Lake? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, so most of the places I grew up, people were like, I was on my way, or I broke down, and I lived there. So I grew up in a little town of 295 people out in eastern Oregon, got saved there, and left there, and moved straight to Los Angeles to go to school. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. I learned a lot of things when I was in L.A. Like, there were more people between me and a stoplight than in my entire hometown. <laughs> the first time in L.A. that I had a taco, I went to a taco truck, I had a taco, I was like, literally, I went, I have been lied to my entire life <laughs> about what tacos are. Like, I have been, it was amazing, and I loved it, and it was incredible, right? But so growing up out in this little tiny town in eastern Oregon, I did all of the things that you do when you live in a small town in eastern Oregon. I grew up hunting and fishing. I actually, was, I grew up hunting and fishing. In fact, when I went to Bible college, I had a professor that corrected me on that. She said, it's not hunting and fishing, it's hunting and fishing. And I said, obviously you've never done it. <laughs> um, so any vehicle that we owned was a rig. I don't know what the technical word for a rig is, but it was, we figured if you could fit a deer in the back seat, it was a rig. But um, okay, here's one for you. Eastern Oregon, what do you call 
on the on the passenger side, the little compartment that you put things in, what do you call that? Yeah, I grew up calling that a jockey box. Yes. It's a jockey box. Yes. Do you really? Yeah, see, there you go. He's like, you know, old people. Okay, good, thanks. Yeah, that's good. Actually, like, out there in Eastern Oregon to Western Idaho, that's the only place we called it a jockey box. Don't ask me why. But growing up out there, I did all of those things, and when I would go hunting, I'd go out with my dad, and he loved to hunt, and he would just cover territory. And my brother and I used to fight to see who could get right behind him to stick our finger through his belt loop. I would, it would just, he would just drag us. But it was kind of like, if I could get in there and get my finger through the belt loop, he kind of helped you up the hill. You know, you got drug along, and I I mean, you're going to cover some territory, so if dad power's helping to drag you along, that was great. We would be in the middle of nowhere. And uh, he never carried water, but he always had Snickers bars, so that was good. But, like, we would just go, and we would fight. Now, here's the funny thing about that position of being right behind my dad was I couldn't see a whole lot other than the back of my dad. But I was thinking back to that, and the reality is, is I never wondered where I was. I never worried about where I was. All I could see was the back of my dad. But I knew we'd get where we were going. I knew that we, well, there wasn't going to be any issues. I knew that I could get up over the next hill because my dad was helping me. It was really about following. I just hook the finger in the belt loop and go where he's leading. And so I think one of the things about this is when the Lord asks the Israelites, you know, to follow him, what he's telling them, he's reminding them again, is just like, look, trust me, this may be something that's, you know, newer, it's different, but this is a new season, new land, follow me. God's call to follow really is, is like I said, it's super simple and profound, super profound in the sense that he's like, let's just hook our finger in his belt loop and go where he leads because the, the life of following is a beautiful life. I love in verse 5, Joshua says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. The life of following is really an incredible front row show to the majesty of God. Because when we follow where God leads, you're going to see things that you wouldn't see any other place, right? I mean, read this story. You ever realize how often we read Scripture and we just go, da 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 like it happens every day? I don't know about the last time that you stepped in a river and it, it piled up in a heap miles up river. That hasn't happened to me yet. And so, like, it's amazing. You have to realize these incredible things that the, the Israelites were experiencing were in a life of following God. I'm telling you right now, this adventure of following God is incredible. And this Christianity thing, if somebody tells me, I've had people say, yeah, that whole Christianity thing looks boring. I'm like, <laughs> You're doing it wrong. <laughs> like, that's legit. Like, I mean, it's not easy. I mean, we're following God where he leads. And how many of you know, too, that following God, we use this term, cruciformity, that, that idea of something that's cruciform, that's changing, that's like the hammer and the anvil. Following God's also that, because when he calls us to go someplace, guess what? It may not be the place that we originally go, well, that's not the path that I would choose. This morning I was doing my reading and I was sitting up early, and I remember I was doing this reading and I went, I'm just reminded afresh that your way is so, so not my way. Like the way that God leads and where he will have us go and how he'll have do things. And then I just have to stop long enough to realize all of the places that I've encountered him in powerful and incredible ways. And the way that he has met needs and done all of these insane things. And I was like, I never once could have figured that out that, that, was, that God was going to do that that way ahead of time. I mean, I guarantee you there wasn't one Israelite that woke up that said, you know what God's going to do? He's going to pile the river up in a heap. Like nobody came up with that on their own. That was his idea. But this beautiful picture of following is a front row seat to the power of God. The view from following is the best. 
being the people that say, you know what, Lord, wherever, whatever we're doing, we're going to continue to follow where you're leading, right? Not where I'm going to lead. Listen, I can tell you right now, I have been in ministry now for um, 29 years, full-time ministry, four-square ministry. And over those 29 years, I have tried on all three roles of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm awful at all three of those roles. And I'm going to tell you, every place where I thought, I'll be the guy who leads. I'll be the one who takes this by the reins. Nah, that doesn't work. But a life of following where God leads is amazing. It's incredible. I want to jump over to chapter 4. I'm going to read the first seven verses of Joshua chapter 4, and let's talk about this a little bit too. It says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you. Put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you in the future, when your children ask you, what these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. I love that. I love those verses. This section we talked about, you know, they're following, they get to this place. God tells them, consecrate yourselves. You're going to see incredible things. You haven't been this way before. He instructs them, this is how we're going to walk this out. The priests are going to step into the river. The river is going to pile up. I, by the way, I did always wonder with the priests, you know, if you look that they had the ark and then they had these long poles and then the priests carried the poles with the ark in the middle. Do you think it was the first priest that stepped into the river or the last priest that stepped into the river that stopped it? Because I'm going to tell you, if it was the last guy, the first guy better be filled with faith because he's going to be out in that water a long ways. I always wondered that. I'm like, I wonder if it was the first guy that was like, oh man, here we go, you know. So they get there, the water is piling up, they're crossing, it's dry ground, they're heading across this river and, and the Lord gives them these instructions. He goes, here's what you're going to do. I want each person, there's this, the whole community, one person from each tribe, take stone, make a pile of them here. Twelve stones out of the riverbed, pile them up on the far bank, one from each tribe. Everyone's going to work together on this. And this would be, and he says this, this is going to be a reminder for you. On this pile of stones, it's going to be a reminder. Every time you come by this place, you're going to bring your kids by, you're going to come by this place. It's going to be a reminder of God's faithfulness, of God's power. It's going to be a reminder of his goodness. But here's the other thing that this pile of stones was going to allow, if you think about it. It's going to allow a vantage point. For anybody who goes and stands by those stones. Because if you're the person and you're looking and here's the river and you're crossing the river and you know you see where God does that and you make this pile of stones, anybody standing at that pile of stones is going to have an interesting vantage point. They're going to be able to look back and see where they've come from across the river, where, where, they, where God had led them to. And they would also be able to look forward into the land that God was going to lead them. And they would be able to see where God met them at the Jordan. This would be an incredible place of perspective for them to have. You know, years later, coming back and standing there at the stones, anybody who stood by that pile would be able to see where they had come from and where they're going. And we need, by the way, in all of our lives, in every place, transitions in every place, we need a clear view from which to look back and from which to look forward. Right? And as a church, you know, I think 
in the midst of transition, that's where a lot of us are when we're going through transitions in churches and in our own lives, is we need a vantage point, and that's where this church is, is a beautiful vantage point. Transition gives us that view, by the way. A place to look back, see the incredible faithfulness and goodness of God, and a place to look forward. See, here's the thing about, about, about view, that I've, I've just been studying and looking and, and watching transitions and and looking in God's word. But I think the, the appropriate spirit-led vantage point is important, and here's why. Because if you look back from where you've come from, and the only thing you think in your backward view is, it'll never be better than what it was. Then you never move forward because nothing else will ever be as good as what was. Right? If you look back and you only see the bad, you're like, everything was terrible. You'll never move forward because you'll be fearful of what next will be. You settle into what I refer to affectionately as the Eeyores in the body of Christ. <laughs> All right. Well, here it comes again. I mean, so we, you know, we can settle into just kind of being in that. But here's the thing about a, a good view. The right perspective, the right direction, the right view is if we look back with the faithfulness of God in mind, then we see both the good and the bad, the difficult, the struggles, the beauty of it all. But in the midst of everything, we see the faithfulness of God. Right? We talk a lot about new seasons, right? Especially when we talk about, you know, transitions. But there's this weird thing that can come into our hearts and our minds when we talk about different seasons. And that is when we talk about a new season, that there's this underlying thing that was the season before bad, any more than when we have spring, and then we go into summer, and then we go into fall. It doesn't mean the preceding thing was bad in any way, shape, or form. It's just a different season. And we're building on that. The beauty, I got to tell you this about this church. We've said this from the beginning in this transition. This is a beautiful church. God is doing incredible things in the life of this church. You have an amazing team. I'm excited about what God has in the future. Will there be change? Yes, I can promise change. Why? Because I can promise that whenever there's a transition, there's going to be change to something. Right? I can promise you change because you're going to leave and you might go to your favorite restaurant for lunch and they're going to change your favorite item and that's going to make you unhappy. <laughs> right? But when we talk about a different season, it's saying, Lord, we're excited about what you have because we're looking back and we see your faithfulness and the goodness of what you've, where, you've, where you've brought us from. We see the beauty of the things that you've done and what you've already established and how you want to continue to grow and build on that. Right? We look back with a healthy perspective over the faithfulness of God in the midst of the seasons of life. We're grateful for the leaders we've had and the life we've had and the place we are now. And we're at this beautiful vantage place now where we get to look one direction or another. We get to see God in the midst of all of it and say, Lord, we're so grateful for all that you've done and how you've led us. Now continue to lead us and we're going to continue to follow. Because his heart for this church hasn't changed, nor is his heart for this community. Seasons of change often are marked by question marks, right? We have lots of questions. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Lean into the questions. But I don't have the answers. Isn't it amazing? I've discovered in my life that I'm the most faithful person if God would just let me know everything that he's doing. <laughs> and yet, my faith comes to a place of life when I have questions where I'm like, Lord, I don't know all of the answers, but I'll lean into you as I wait and hear what you're going to do in me in the middle of the question marks. So embrace the question marks. Lean into them. Be open to the work of the Spirit during this season. Because change, for the two people who love it in this room, God bless you. By its nature, 
isn't necessarily always easy, but I think we all sometimes have those moments where we get to look at it and say, Lord, we're so grateful for all you're doing and what you have. We want to celebrate that you are the God that has led us and will continue to lead us. I am learning that transitions are profound, holy, sacred moments in the life of a church, in our lives individually. I'm excited. This church, God has established his church in this community, giving you incredible leaders. (laughs) One of the churches that simply says it's okay to not be okay. Come on. That's awesome. I'm excited for where God is going to continue to lead with Pastor Lane coming in. But here's the thing that I know about all this, that the faithfulness of God is still the faithfulness of God. He will continue to lead this church. What do we get to do, Lord? Let's follow where you're going to go. Let's follow where you're going to lead. Let's see what you're going to do. And Lord, thank you for a vantage point to look back with eyes that you give us and look forward in expectancy to the things that you want to do in the future. I don't know if you guys know, but the last two years have not been easy. But here's what I'm seeing in the church. Do you want to know what's happening in the church across this district? I can speak to Foursquare because I'm involved in it. I'm meeting at church after church and everybody says, hey, the pandemic was rough. We've had some people that were here that are no longer here. But we also have people that are saying, we've got families that are showing up that are hungry, that they've been alone too for the last two years. And they're not church transfer growth. They're people that are coming in that need to be loved and cared for, healed, delivered, encounter the spirit of God, which they will do in this place. And so I'm excited that God's gonna do that. Listen, I know our our worship team's gonna come. I'm so excited that we're gonna close our time in worship. Would you join me as we pray? And let's just just position ourselves before the Lord to hear what he would say. Father, we thank you. Um... We thank you for moments in your presence. We thank you for moments together here. Lord, we rejoice in your goodness and your faithfulness in the life of this church. Lord, we're so excited. Lord, as we even get to to, to celebrate Pastor Lane and Jaina coming to this church, to their family being part, embraced as part of this church to lead as pastors. And Lord, I thank you for the work you're doing in each, each person here in this transition. Lord, thank you today that as we celebrate you, we celebrate you that the God that's faithful has been faithful and continue to be faithful. Lord, would you bring life each one of us comes in today, Lord, bringing things with us. We want to, we, we're, we're, we're hearing what you're saying and we're translating it and we have needs and places we need to see you move. Would you move? Would you be our healer? Would you be the God that brings life and wholeness to those places that we just right now need you to be so real? Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Help us to have eyes to see, Lord, where you're leading each one of us in this new season. Thank you for what you're doing here and are going to continue to do in this life of this church and in this community of Newburgh. We give you praise. Now, Lord, speak to us as we worship, as we focus on you. Fill us afresh with your presence. Let us hear from you today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.